Al, I think if I did not let you talk about this, you would literally fly halfway across the country and beat me up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's that's legitimate. <laughs> I mean, but you yeah, you were also wanting me to talk about it. You're like, yeah, you should talk about this thing. No, don't don't tell him that. Oh, okay, sorry. I gotta keep up the facade. He ruins the bit. I gotta keep up the facade. The bit. I'm sorry. I didn't know it was a bit. Anyways, hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Seasonal <laughs> Anime Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we have conversations about video games, anime, and manga. Hello, I'm Jared, joined as always by Doc Al and Ladium. Hello, I'm the bit killer. Yep. This is episode <laughs> 332. And it is time to talk about, I, I guess, the final bit of Xenoblade Chronicles 3 DLC. Yeah, so supposedly... According to the team, this is the end of the, like, Klaus saga or the Trinity Processor saga, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, yep, all those words make sense. Yep, yep. Um, it's it's called Future Redeemed. We must redeem this future. Yes. <laughs> sort of question mark yeah yeah i think we're trying to go with like a, the whole like future from xenoblade chronicles like the the switch version what, mm -hmm. what was the other one called future something i don't remember future connected that sounds right I think that's right. Anyway, I think they were just trying to go with that. So it's future redeemed in this one. But um, yeah, this is at least the last round of DLC in the the expansion pass that was offered when the game launched. I doubt there's going to be anything past this, but I, right. I, I, I'm not going to ever say no, but this is supposedly the last of it. It's... It's the one that's like story based. So yeah, in in the same vein as uh, Futures Connected and uh, Torna, except for Torna was a lot bigger. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Al, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions before we dive into this DLC. Okay. Does this continue the trend of the DLC being better than the main game? <laughs> Depends on who you ask. True. Okay, yes. Okay, we'll get into that part, but I mean, like... <laughs> um, in terms of, like, the actual gameplay and everything, yes. Okay. Yes. Like, they they changed, like, quality of life that makes it a lot better. They they made the exploration function in a, in a better way. Um... So yeah, it that part is is that sticks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the other part depends on who you ask. <laughs> we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. We will, we will. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to ask you, but now I don't remember what it was, which is not great. <laughs> oh no. Um, I'm trying to think of what you might have been interested in knowing. It's a real mystery. I told you it's got like a, a a jazzy type of battle theme that goes along with the the jazzy themes of Torna and Futures Connected, so that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. 
could you have possibly wanted to ask? I don't remember. Because you had a few questions. You said you had a few questions. I did, and then I just I, I, I had the one, and then the others are just gone. I, I, other, I don't remember. I threw you off when I said it depends on who you ask. You did. I'm sorry. You no, you're fine. You're fine. You should have written them down. That that's work. Who would do work? Us. True. <laughs> uh, well, let's get into let's dive into this DLC then. I guess. Um, uh, I will say I put in like 23 hours. Um, it feels longer than the others, but I don't remember how long Torna was. I feel like Future. Future Future's Connected was like 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Torna, I put like 40 in. Well, this is you. You're a sicko. Well, and I told you um, before we start recording, like, I've I've 100%ed a lot of the significant things that you would want 100%, like the, right. the Collectopedia, the Affinity stories, the... Um... So, like, a normal person would probably put, like, 10 to 15, let's say. Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds right. I put about 23. And I, I might eventually go back to it to take on some of the super bosses. We'll see. Well, they haven't started beef with you yet, so that is debatable. Yeah. Well, okay. So. <laughs> oh, no. One of them did start beef with me. Oh, no. Um, He's a level 100 dragon. And um, the problem is I'm level 63. Well, if you were six levels higher, you'd be fine. Nice. Um, so I'd have to take on like all the rest of the super bosses in order to go and kick his. Ass, but like, that's not to say it's not gonna happen because all I was trying to do was walk by that guy. It's all I was trying to do. That's <laughs> how it always starts. And he's like, "Hi, hello. What if I one shot you?" I'm like, "Hey, that's rude. <laughs> not cool. Not cool, man." I know you're a super boss and all, but, like, chill. But in his defense, he's a super boss and not just, like, a regular enemy walking around in, in, the, in the forest. Hey, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. And then, you know, I murdered him. Because he murdered me first. <laughs> uh, well, regardless, let's talk about this DLC... Okay. Uh, oh, I guess here's the other question I had. Okay. Is this a prologue or an epilogue to Xenoblade Chronicles 3? Prologue. That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> it... What? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's a prologue. Um, you might have remembered when um, we were talking about Xenoblade Chronicles 3... I had mentioned that, like, there were two options for the DLC, and that was either going to be an epilogue where they, like, are able to reunite our main characters from three, mm -hmm. or it's a prologue where we talk about the founding of the city. Right. That's what we got. Prologue with the founding of the city. And so the city, as a quick recap, they're the, like, third faction... You have um, the Kavesi and the, um, what's the other one called? It's not called, I promise. Um, Agnian. Uh, so you have those two, and then 
you have the city folks who are like outside of the flame clock system and everything and basically are like an underground normal rebe- people normal people and like a rebellion type thing and so um this is the founding of the city the current city um because there was a city before that that got destroyed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's a prologue it's a prologue with a lot of fan service. Prologue with a lot of fan service. And I will say, there is one scene at the very end that could be considered an epilogue. All right. <laughs> but we'll talk about that. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if this is helping you or not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, there is a ton of fan service in this. And I think that this DLC single-handedly redeemed Rex in most people's eyes because a lot of people came away from Xenoblade Chronicles 2 just absolutely hating Rex. Well, the problem is Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is also a bad game, so that's why. I wouldn't say it's a bad game. Um, <laughs> I will say in retrospect, after like pl- replaying 1 and th- now playing 3, that like it's the weakest of the bunch for me. Um, that's not to say, like, I I didn't dislike Rex to the extent that, like, the internet hated Rex. Um, but the internet hated Rex until they got this Rex, and they're like, oh. They just couldn't handle those shorts. They couldn't. They couldn't handle the power of the shorts. That's all it was, honestly. Um, but yeah, Rex grew up. And people, people are thirsty as f- for him now. <laughs> I don't know. Have you have you seen his new metal goatee? I I hate the facial hair. <laughs> it's hate, real bad. I hate the facial hair. I wish that they had not done that because I I think if they had done his design but without that facial hair, he would have looked so much better. He just looks like a weird, dirty man now. It's real bad. He looks like he was gonna sing new metal at me. Um. But he is wearing full pants now. So, you know, I'll give him credit where it's due, I suppose. But, you know, what would have been funnier, and you have to admit this is true, is this big, like, beefy version of Rex, but still wearing the the tiny shorts. It would have been much funnier. It would have been so much funnier. I would have been, like, losing my shit about that. But... Yeah, it's wild that this DLC, like, completely changed everybody's perspective on Rex. I'm like, oh, huh, okay. Um, interesting. But, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um. Speaking of protagonists, you play as Matthew in this. Um, Matthew Vandam, Vandam, however you want to pronounce it. Um, Matthew is a himbo. Matthew is basically Joseph Joestar when he was young. Including the crop top. (laughs) Gotta have that. I mean, you do, but like their characterization is so similar at points I was like oh my god you are Joseph Joestar um, 
but he's delightful and I love him. And of course I love him because I also love Joseph Joestar, but like, I love this like weird himbo man who just wants to punch everything. I love him. He's fantastic. He's also a dumb. It's great. Um, and he's hanging around with, uh, with this character, A. Which you may have seen A. I don't know if you have or not. Um, but A is very obviously supposed to be someone. And if you've played ZW Chronicles 1, you're like, oh, hello. I recognize you. You just look slightly different. Um, also worth mentioning, our second non-binary character in ZW Chronicles 3. Kind of cool. Yeah. And like, the first one, it it was more ambiguous, mm-hmm. but like very, very clear that they were non-binary. With A, they spell it out and they straight up say it. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Hello. Interesting. Um, so yeah, A and Matthew are palling around looking for city refugees. Um, because hey, guess what? The city got destroyed. Oh no. My city My city it was destroyed by in in the um the Mobius fella. Um also while the city was getting destroyed, uh Matthew lost track of his sister Niel who is a cat girl. And um, he also watched in murder his grandpa, Gondor. Stab him right through the the torso-y region. <laughs> the, the chest. Well, it could have been the gut. I don't know. Um, but then, yeah, when that happened, like, everything exploded and the city died. So he's he's looking for his his sister and other people who might have survived that situation. Um, you may or may not remember. Un- unclear to me. Um, when I when I talked about Xenoblade Chronicles three, I probably talked about this that N is a Mobius version of Noah, mm-hmm. the main character from three, um, and he is determined to stay in the endless now because he wants to forever be with M who is Mobius version of Mio um and they had a kid the original versions of them had a kid that kid is Gondor so N kills his own son in front of his great grandson Matthew you know, normal things. Normal things. Um, and by doing that, destroys the city. Woo! So that's our background. That's where we are. Uh, is is that... Does that make sense? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. 100%. <laughs> All right. More background. You also get a flashback of Rex and Shulk. And they call him Zed because that's how British people say Z. Um, and Canadians. And Canadians. You're right. You're right. Um... 
they were fighting against Alvis, um, who is now going by Alpha. And um, they're they're basically like, no, don't do this thing. And then they lose the battle, and Shulk loses his right arm, and Rex loses his left eye. Wrecked. So, again, that brings us back to the the beginning where Matthew and A are palling around and um, they end up like hearing some some battle-y stuff happening and they see that there's a fight with um, the Kvesi and uh, the, the Agnian soldiers and um, hey, that's not cool. They don't, they don't want that to happen. And you see two characters who look very familiar. Oh my gosh. Um, anyway, Matthew is like brutal and kills Q and R, who are two of the Mobius fellers. Um, just like punches them straight through their like gut core things. It's like, I, I hate these guys. They suck. Um, and then A uh, destroys the flame clocks on the, the Fronis's and frees two soldiers who were fighting and they were the only ones left of their crew. Um, one is named Nicole and looks amazingly similar to Shulk. And then another is Glimmer who looks amazingly similar to Pyra and Mithra. Hmm, I wonder who these people could be. Rex got to work on his kid naming scheme. Glimmer. 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 Um, He's like a white person nowadays. <laughs> Riley with all the weird spellings. <laughs> um, and Glimmer is super p***ed. Like extremely p***ed. Um, because she was in her 10th term so she was getting ready to reach her homecoming and now she won't because she's free of the flame clocks um so she is we're assuming this is Pyra's daughter because of the hair color and that she has like fire powers mm -hmm. um So, that makes sense. And then obviously Rex. Um, because Rex canonically bonked three different gals. And one of them led to a baby with like reddish hair. Wow, Glimmer has reddish hair. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you also find out that Nicole can't summon, um, a, a blade, so he can't summon his own weapon, so he just made, like, a backpack weapon that ends up giving him, like, nup-on arms to fight with. Cool. Which is pretty freaking cool. Um, also, Nicole in English has, like, a very deep voice, which was very unexpected, because I'm like, you look like Shulk. When Shulk was younger, 
but you have a deep voice. What is happening here? Hey. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's very strange. Um, but by all this happening, um, Nicole and Glimmer have um, inherited the power of Ouroboros. And Matthew basically like says, all right, you're my kids now. Let's go. Um, but Glimmer is not about that life and says, nah, and leaves. But Nicole's like, all right, cool. I guess I'm your kid now. Let's go. Um, so then you end up like having to follow her and figure out what where she's going. And um, eventually you, you end up fighting like, well, um, a... a a Mobius console shows up and is like, hi, hello, I'm going to murder you, Glimmer, even though she, like, tries to give him all kinds of information about all the things that are going on. She gets sad because betrayal. Um, and then you have to fight, like, a weird combo thing. And, oh, by the way, Shulk shows up. Cool. Shulk has really long hair now and a fake right arm. It's the power of the Monado. It's the power of the Monado. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what one of my favorite things about this is even though like it's kind of sad and I showed it What's to that? you um, when you go into the menu after you get Shulk and you look oh. you, you look at his model and make him say some of the voice lines one of the ones he says is I'm not really feeling it and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> poor buddy it's a good goof. He's not feeling it anymore. Um, but yeah, he he's basically done bad now. Uh, he's he's an evasion tank. Go figure. It's kind of wild. Um, like, would you have expected Shulk to be an evasion tank? Yeah, totally. Don't lie to me. <laughs> don't don't lie to me. Um. So yeah, you uh, you also end up having Rex show up at some point during this fight, and he's like, "All right, I'll take this side. Shulk, you take that side. Matthew, you get the middle. We're gonna take this out." Um. Also, Rex has a different voice actor in this one. He has a very very deep voice. Yeah, I mean, well, that makes sense with, like, you know, he's not a kid anymore. Right, he's not, like, 15 years old and hit, so, like, a very late puberty where he grew up. Right, so, like, it makes sense that they would change voice actors for him. Yeah, well, I thought maybe, like, I haven't heard his voice actor and, like, how he speaks normally, so I didn't know fair. if he had, yeah, like, yeah, a, yeah. a... No, that, that, that's fair. Um, But is absolutely a different voice actor. Um... So yeah, you find out that they are the leaders of the Liberators, and they want to help you out. Oh my god, they're Libertarians. Oh no, god, no! Not the Libertarians! <laughs> um, also, they, they say, hey, we're going to go back to Liberator Camp. The Liberator Camp is Colony 9 from Xenoblade 1. Complete with all the music and everything. I I kind of lost it. So one thing that's kind of neat about this game, in my opinion, is that there's a lot of um, locations and like references to Xenoblade One, which made me very happy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Colony Nine is is where they where they live. I was like, oh yay, Colony Nine. Um, and if you if you go to to Dunban, if you go to his house, he's not there anymore. But Riku is, and it brings up so many questions. Like, how old is Riku? Because he's helping you out in Xenoblade Three, and yet he's here helping us out. What Riku's is the, immortal? I I'm pretty sure Riku's immortal. It's kind of wild, and he he at one point shows you like, hey, look, I have this sword. And I'm supposed to give it to the person who is worthy of it one day, but right now it's just gonna stay wrapped up. Hmm. It's called Lucky Seven. Hmm. It's the sword that Noah gets. Um. Ah. Yeah. And um. Also, like lore dump of the fact that Riku is Riki's kid. What? What? You know how happy that made me. Very. Very happy. Very, very happy. And the funny thing is that Riki, like, adopted Shulk. So, I guess, like, Shulk and Riku are technically brothers. Very normal brothers. Yeah, very, very normal. It's like Maxwell and Game Boy. Yes, 100%. <laughs> They're brothers, but, like, very different brothers. Um... It's kind of sad though to see like Dunban's house all like falling apart. Basically, um, there's also a really good scene if you go up to the Overlook Park, where Shulk is talking to Nicole and it's basically like, "Yeah, so sometimes I tend to get like super super busy and I forget to eat, and it's kind of a bad thing. But like there was this person who was by my side all the time who would always make sure that I eat, and like maybe one day me and you should just come up here and have some some." sandwiches with some special herbs and spices um which is what fiora made him was a sandwich with herbs and spices herbs um and obviously implying that fiora was the one who made sure that he would always eat because she did that in the first game um there's there's also a scene if you go into um like the the area where Dunban's house is where Rex and Shulk will talk and Rex says something effective like yeah didn't your mentor used to live here or wait was it your brother-in-law and Shulk's like oh so uh confirmed that Fiora and Shulk were were a thing um which makes sense because obviously Nicole is their kid but I think one of the funniest things about the interactions with them is that, um, like, Shulk and Nicole take to each other, like, immediately, because they're both tech nerds, and they're just like, oh, look at this thing, and, like, at one point, Shulk is complaining about his arm because Riku built it, and it's a little squeaky, and Nicole takes a look at it, he's like, oh, hey, you know, I just gotta fix this, 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 and this, and uh, Shulk's like, oh my god, my kid's so cool! (laughs) Um, But, like, Shulk and Rex have a conversation at one point away from everybody else where um, like Rex is kind of jealous because he's like yeah at least yours is like well behaved and you know is a good kid 
Mine's got an attitude. He's <laughs> like, Rex. Can't even parent this child. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, but given that, like, she basically has the personality of Mithra, it makes sense. Like, she's a little sassy kid. Yep. Um, but, but yeah, I love that there's a conversation. They're, like, trying to get along with their kids. <laughs> Who don't know they're their kids, by the way. They, they don't ever know that. Um, anyway... So we're still on the search for a city people and they eventually find a bracelet that he's like, oh, this this belongs to Niel, my sister. This is funky. Um, and you find out that like while the original city was around, Niel was having like second thoughts about the whole system that like she she felt like it was just very, very cruel and that the the soldiers, the Cavessi and Agnian soldiers, had no right to live, basically. Um, that the only ones who did were the people in the city. Matthew's like, no, no. It's not their fault that they're like this. We just have to free them. Like, may, maybe tone down the genocide talk a little bit there, little sister. Um, she does not. She does not tone it down. And then... Um, Eventually, like, small children that she likes to hang out with die via a, a, a soldier fight, and she gets even more enraged by it. And basically, Matthew's like, yeah, she changed after that. That was not good. Um, I shouldn't laugh, because I was just thinking that um, at one point, the kids that ended up dying um, requested her, like, th that she play some songs. And one of them is Zeke's theme. Like, it has a ridiculous title, and I forgot what it is, but it's basically Zeke's theme from 2, and I was like, ah, yes. The best character in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> Him and Turters. Um, which I should also mention, because I forgot to mention it, two of the people who are with the Liberators, um, ah, uh, Flip Flop, I forget what their names are. Uh, ba 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 ba. They were very important. I see. Well, they they are, but I just forgot their names because names are hard. Um, let me see if I can pull up a thing. Uh, Panacea and Linka are their names. Um, Panacea is very obviously the kid of Sharla. Um, we are assuming that Ryan is is her papa. Ryan time. Ryan time. Um because Shulk talks a lot about her uh her parents and how he was very close to them and all that. Um but yeah she she looks very much like Sharla. Um, and then Linka. I don't remember what Linka's um, last name. Because uh, Pansia is Reed. Um, Linka is Linka Cassini. Um, she is the kiddo of Zeke and Pandoria. 
Which I guess makes sense that they they would, yeah. <laughs> they would um, boink. They would boink. Um, she she is so calm though. Like to the point of almost being a nerd. I'm like, how are you Zeke and Pandora's kid? <laughs> um, and like Rex even says a few times, like, yeah, your parents were wild. Kind of kind of like bonkers that she's normal she's adorable though I love her design um anyway so yeah those two characters also exist they're part of the founders um so we're gonna go try and find Seaster right yes. wrong no that's sad um so we end up getting like a lore dump at this point because um A and Shulk and Rex have a conversation about like Antos who is Alvis and the Trinity processor and like the the cores it, it's a thing um basically the entirety of origin that was maintaining the um the endless now that is um, Ionius it, it's built based on the Trinity processor um, and Alpha like breaks free of the, the system and ends up wanting to wipe out Ionius and the, and the people around it except for the people of the city um, and Nael at one point finds the decor of um, Antos and ends up getting possessed by him essentially um, or possessed by them I, I don't know because um, A is the one that's non-binary not technically Antos but Antos is considered the non-gendered one um, so it's it's kind of confusing because they still refer to Alvis as a key um So, yeah, Nael is possessed by Antos, who is Alpha, who is also Alvis, <laughs> um, and wants to basically preserve the people of the city and wipe out everything else. And um, In says, Nah. Because he wants to stay in the Endless Now so that he can stay with his M. And he ends up trying to take down Nael. And Grandpa Gondor steps in the way and ends up taking the sword for her. Um, but yeah, the, the city went kablooey. Um, one of the funniest things about this is that every time that N shows up, like, even knowing who he is, because Matthew figures out, like, oh, hey, you're my great-grandpa. Um, but every time he shows up, he's just constantly dunking on him. And it's so funny. Matthew's just like, man, what a loser, this guy. Like, the whole time, just wrecking him. It's great, because, like, in... They even point out, like, in 
has no light in his eyes. Like once he becomes in every single bit of like the reflection and lights that you would have in your eyes of the characters is gone. So he's got very matte blue eyes. Um, but like they'll zoom in on his eyes like while Matthew's just dunking on it. It's really good. <laughs> Again, Matthew's the best part about this. Um, but yeah, they, they go into an explanation of like Logos, who is Malos from 2, was the male persona. Numa, who was Mithra and Pyra, that's the female. And then Antos is somewhere in between. That's A and Alvis. Um, and I do appreciate that Rex and Chuck were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, yeah, Niall shows up and, um, hi, hello, I want to kill everybody. Yay. Um, but also wants Matthew to come along with her. And Matthew's like, how are you my sister? My sister's not evil that I'm aware of anyway. Um, he, he pulls some, like, big dummy energy until everybody is like, hey, that's not your sister. Like, your sister's feelings of hatred towards these other people it was, like, latched on to um, by Alpha. And so your sister's now Alpha. So, yeah. And so Matthew then basically makes his mission, like, well, I'm going to take down Alpha and save my sister. Because, like, screw that. This sucks. Um, and then he decides, like, ends not the the bad guy here um even though he's still mad like hey you killed my my grandpa hey but then origin gets activated oh no this is bad oh no, oh, no. hey you want to know where we're going to to get the origin the origin of everything no do you remember prison island from xenoblade one no. <laughs> okay. Maybe you stop playing before Prison Island. It's possible. <laughs> um, Prison Island is a, a big part of Xenoblade 1. We're going to Prison Island. And part of Alec Mountain, which was kind of cool, actually, because they still had some significant pieces of Alec Mountain still intact. And I was like, oh, I recognize this and this and this and that and this. Like a big old nerd. Um, You also go through, like, a training section, essentially, that um, Rex and Shulk are like, hey, kiddos, Nicole and Glimmer, y'all can't come with us. You're not good enough. You you can't you can't fight Alpha. And the kids are like, what? But what if fight Alpha? Um. Who are they, Game Boy? <laughs> Basically. Uh, and so, man, how are we going to actually settle this? Let's just fight our parents. So they get into a physical fight. That's, that's what all rational people do. It's true. It's true. Um, and because of the Ouroboros power that was given to them by Matthew, they are able to win. And Rex and Shulk were like, we weren't even like going easy on them or anything. And like, they they beat us. Huh. Alright. Guess we're going to Origin together, kids. Let's go. 
Um, it was it was such a weird thing, <laughs> but it happened. Um, so yeah, we end up getting to the top of prison island, and N is there, and um, and is like, yeah, I I can't let you like go fix this problem because I I don't I don't want this situation with endless now to end. And, um, Matthew ends up getting, like, a weird memory from in at one point during this fight and basically sees, like, the whole breakdown of what happened in the city, which is what I explained earlier. Um, and then Matthew again just starts dunking on him. He's like, dude, like, you could be a big part of this story and you're just being a loser and choosing not to and... I don't know, somebody in the future is going to take you down, and it's going to be embarrassing. I don't know, maybe it's even going to be you. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's just too spot on, man. Like, you can't make that joke. It's just just hitting the nail on the head there. Right, right. And I was like, huh. Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you're going for here, writers. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> but why would, why would you make that why would Matthew even think to say that? It's ah, you know, you. um, this is where things start to go off the rails. Um, yeah, Alpha shows up and is like, "In you bad," um, and then warps you to like a weird foggy area with him just like bleh, staring at you. Um, so if you decide that you're going to trigger that fight, then you end up in the suburbs. <laughs> you know, normal things. <laughs> I I started that fight and I was like, what is with this McMansion next to me? What is this? And I'm that just was like, a very good uh, image out of context to get from you just randomly. Like, you're just, you, it's you and your party in the suburbs. I was like... What? <laughs> what? What? It was so bizarre. Um, but yeah, you've, you're on Earth, and you're on Earth right before the Klaus experiment. There's a little, little house, and there's a garden, and there's a big old city in the background. Um, there's a piano. There's also a radio. And Couldn't afford a TV. <laughs> the radio has been something that people have been losing their minds over. Um, for a few reasons. One, um, one of the or the logo that is on it is straight up from uh, Xenosaga. Hmm. Two. A lot of the things that they're talking about on the radio are also straight out of Xenosaga, including, hmm. like, actual character names. Hmm. Um, something else that comes out of the radio is a Xenoblade Cross reference. But that game doesn't exist. That That's clearly fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, where they're talking about, like, the, the Exodus from Earth and how there's going to be a launch in July and that's when the, the white whale left 
um and 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 that one um so we're bringing xenosaga and xenoblade cross or x depending on how you want to pronounce it um all via a radio transmission that is happening in the background of this cutscene in the suburbs. Yeah, but where's the Zeno Gears representation? Man, you know what? That's that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. <laughs> um. So, so I guess that's why you were there was people. I, I saw some people mentioning about like, did they get the rights to Zeno Saga from mm-hmm. Bandai Namco? And that's why I said like, oh, I know why people are thinking that. Yeah, that so like I guess there's like there's two there's two ways that you could look at this. Um as like I mean looking at this from like an outsider's perspective, obviously, because I mm-hmm. have not played this game or anything, but like you could look at this as like, yes, they've gotten the rights to it and that's why they're including this in the game and everything. Or they're just, you know, doing it because they can do it, because I guess like if you if you just do all this out of context, mm-hmm. like you could probably get away with doing this without having the rights to it. Right. So, I could see one way or the other. I guess, like, we won't know until, like, there's a news story that says, like, hey, they've gotten the rights to this or something. Or it's just, like, or nothing comes up of this and it's just a little Easter egg for you. And that's how I'm reading it right now is that they're, it's just Easter eggs to both things. That's how I'm currently reading it. If they're also including, like, uh cross stuff which is which is a game they've basically had no intention of doing anything with Mm -hmm. after it came out on the wii u like i feel like that kind of makes it lean towards that more than that they want to like do stuff with this but like i mean it would be interesting if they put like all those games back out on modern hardware i agree but again it's just one of those things where until i get a confirmation like i I'll believe it when I see it. I mean, it, it definitely feels like something like um, in Hitman, mm-hmm. there's footage from a game that they they did previously on the PS2 called Freedom Fighters. That's ah. in that game, but like they've not they're not putting that game back out or anything. So like it's just a nice little Easter egg of like, hey, this is the thing we did and all that sort of stuff. So it's def- I definitely can see this coming like on both sides here of like maybe they'll do something with this or maybe it's just a little nice Easter egg, wink, wink, nudge, nudge type mm-hmm. deal. Especially, especially because of all the other fan services in this game, it oh, yeah. kind of does feel like, hey, let's just put a little bit more in here. That's that's kind of how I'm seeing it. Is that this DLC is just so fan servicey as it is that like, why wouldn't they sprinkle in more fan service? Right. Um. I don't know. I, I, I know that people were super jazzed about all this, and I was like, huh, sure, okay, I yeah. recognize all these things, but, like, also it's weird that it's in the background of a cutscene. So you're having, yeah. like, the subtitles for it are at the top, and then the subtitles of what the characters are saying is at the bottom. So, like, you're trying to pay attention to the actual plot of the DLC while this is happening, you're like, wait a minute, what? Um, I feel like if you were going to, like, do this and make it a thing of, like a little silent thing of like, hey, we've got the stuff for this again. Like, mm-hmm. you would make it more blatant than just in the background of a cutscene. Like, it would not, it wouldn't be in a cutscene. It would just be like, you're roaming around and you could stop and sit there and listen to it. Like, you could pay attention blatantly. to it. Yes. Right, right. And so, like, I had to actually go back to the event theater um, in the game to see, like, to actual pay, actually pay attention to what the radio was saying instead of watching what like Matthew and Niall were saying 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like, hey, I'm playing this DLC and I'm following these characters. I should probably try and follow the plot. Um, right. <laughs> and so, like, I had to go back and see that. I was like, oh, okay, now I know what's happening there. But, mm-hmm. like, it, it's it's kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm reading it as, hi, would you like another spoonful of fan service? Right, right, right. <laughs> like I said, until I see differently, um, that's that's how I'm reading it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, you're in the suburbs still. You hear the piano. Back to back to Shulk of suburbia. There's there's, there's a piano in in outside for some reason, and Niall's, for a keyboard and pianos. Right. You just keep your baby grand there. Niall's like, hey, look, this is the world that I was promised by Alpha. Like, isn't this great? This is a fantastic world. This is this is what we want. And then A is like. Okay, but um, look at this destruction that that happens with with Klaus. Uh, this is this is what this is gonna become, like in a few days. Like Alpha's telling you that this is this is a utopia and it's great and all that, but like Klaus destroys it in like a week. So. If you come here and think that this is going to be great, it's not. Um, so Matthew's like, hey, you know, you, you're kind of pulling the whole Mobius thing here with, like, seeing people as, like, not worthy of living. Um, and that if if the Kavesi and Agdians were given a choice, they would live the same way as the people in the city, but they're not allowed to choose. So, like, it's not... It's not their fault. Um, and so Niall's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, God, I am Alpha again. And Alpha possesses her once again. Yay. Um, so then you're inside of the, like, origin arc thingy again. Um, and, yeah, everyone's like, hey, your plan sucks. This sucks. Um, there's this whole thing of like Shulk and Rex saying like Klaus trusted them with the future, which which is a thing. And then you know you fight Alpha. Um, Alpha also like tries to eat Matthew at one point, um, and Matthew really really struggling and then N shows up and N's like nah I'll help you so now you have N on your side um Matthew's like hey cool glad to have you now um we'll be we'll be enemies again very soon but like thanks for the help good job bro um you find out here and it's very strange that this is how we find out um, that In has a sword that's called Sword of the End. And he uses it all throughout three. Like, that's his weapon. Um, it is implied that In is using the um, the Logos like core crystal in sort of the end which is Malos and then um, 
he he basically like puts the sword down. He's like, all right, Matthew, I need you to punch this. And Matthew's gauntlets like transform in a way, and you find out that like the the Aegis like Mithra Pyra Numa's core crystals like in his gloves. And like, how is this how we find out about this? What is happening? Um, but then like it, it their their powers combine. Woo! Um, they're able to take down Alpha. Um, so, you know, everybody's honky-dory. Yay, we win. And then Shulk and Rex, like, start to just disappear. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned this earlier when I was talking about it, um, in, in a Discord channel. Um, I, I felt like this was super unearned and came out of nowhere and was really lame. And it kind of pissed me off because, like, you you win, and then they start turning into little light things, and like, oh yes, you know, we we made an agreement that we would become the new avatars, and I'm like, when? When did that agreement come up? What? what? No one talked about this. Um. So like, Shulk, Rex, and A all decide like, oh hey, we have to replace. Alpha as the avatar in origin to keep everything like stable. Um and then Rex, you know, does the whole like, oh, we'll see you again, kid, once everything's fixed. But like for now, you know, we gotta go. Um and then they like give their life forces to their kids so that they can erase their um their mark and their like 10 year lifespan. And, um, yeah. But then you don't see those kids again. No. I mean, they become founders of the city, but, like, it says that Nicole lived to be 80 years old and that Glimmer lived to be over 80. Despite being Kavesi and Agnian soldiers, which is rare because they have a 10-year lifespan. So that happens. Um, and then Shulk asks A, like, hey, you know, did you did you see the future on all this? Did you, you know that all this was going to happen? And A is like, eh. I just know that, like, this is what, what y'all wanted. And then Origin falls down and sinks into the ocean, destroys Colony 9. And then it's like, oh, by the way, we're not giving up on this whole Endless Now thing. So, um, see you later, buddy. And, um, yeah, this is where Matthew's like, ah, you know, maybe even you will take you down. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It was... I don't know. It just felt very unearned and like there wasn't any build up to it. And there's no explanation as to like why they need three avatars. Like why can't A just be the avatar? Why do you And the answer is because you can't have Shulk and Rex in the main game. So you have to have an explanation of where they went. There you go. Um and they try and pull the whole like, oh, you know, it it's them giving their life for their kids, like that's that's how they would do it. Which like yeah they would I get that but like 
narratively build that up. Maybe. Right? It kind of feels like that, like, they got all the way to this point and then were like, oh, right, we got to wrap this back into the main game. That's uh, what it felt like to ooh. me, is that they're like, oh, yay, we're having a good time with this fan service DLC. Oh, God, what are we going to do now? Uh, 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 okay, just put them away. Um... It just it it I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't like that at all. And I understand that like at the end of um at the end of Xenoblade 3 vanilla um one um Melia has Shulk's Monado. Don't know how she got it, but she has it. And she, like, stares at it and smiles. And then Nia releases Poppy. And is like, oh, I'm going to see everybody soon. So, like, yeah, there is the whole idea of, like, yeah, they're going to come back. I get that. That's fine. Also, I still can't figure out how other... Okay, maybe Riku is the one who gave it to her. Because Riku explains that his his master pawn, quote, unquote, is Melia. Um... But it, it was just very weird that, like, Melly wasn't even brought up at all in this, and it's like, except for, you know, the Master Pond thing. And then somehow she has his Monado. Right. Even though he had it with him when he went into the origin and became the Avatar. I don't know. Um, so then you, you get to the end, and um, there is a new city that the Liberators have all built. And Matthew basically is like, hey, I'm gonna go try and find more survivors and goodbye. Um, and I think that that goes back to, I was rereading his statue and it basically says like, hey, you know, he helped found the city and then he left and there's no more records of what happened to him. But eventually like his family line came back and lived in the city. So it it was weird that like he got his sister back. They founded the city, and he's like, "All right, bye," and like never sees his sister again. Huh? Peculiar. Very very weird. Um, and then the very very final scene. Um. You see Ionios, the, the, like, endless now planet of them merged. You see them separate into the two worlds, which is what you do in Xenoblade 3. That's how it ends. Mm -hmm. But then it re-merges into a single one. What? <laughs> and then you see a small light like flying towards the planet and that's what? how it ends what yeah so um no explanation on how they were able to get them combined again in a way that like wasn't devastating to everyone 
Um, so that's weird. Both the planets just did the fusion dance from Dragon Ball, and then they they fused together. It's easy. I mean, that's but they were fused together like. I, it's like they, they they had to find a way to safely fuse them together, and it's not explained how they did that. But apparently, it happened, and they're fused now. And then, like I said, there's a light flying towards it. There are a lot of theories on what that is. I don't f- know what it is. <laughs> um, like someone did a gotcha pull, and their five stars coming their way. <laughs> Like some somebody some people have said like oh it's people returning to the planet and it's like who who's returning to the planet like the people from Cross probably not that doesn't make sense. Um, other people are like oh well you know Cosmos was floating into space and entering into <laughs> Earth's atmosphere at the end <laughs> of one of them. It's like what? That's a that's a reach. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the logical explanation is that they combine the two planets and that whatever that final scene is is going to lead into whatever Xenoblade 4 is. I mean, are they making a Xenoblade 4? If I know, but I'm sure they will. But they have said this is the end of the Klaus saga. So, like, if you have a hard reset, essentially, that's it. Right. But... Like, it can't be, it can't be the planet, like, pre-Klaus, because there's no sky tower, or sky elevator, and that's the same kind of situation with, like, the, the Saga games, is that there's, there's still no elevator, um, so it's not the same planet. I liked like 80% of this DLC. <laughs> and then the ending came and you're just like, uh... It just, like I said, it felt rushed. It felt unearned. It it felt like it was kind of like... They were me, you know? Like, I didn't expect Rex and Shulk to stick around. I knew that they wouldn't because they weren't in vanilla. It, it almost feels like if they didn't try to just wrap it into the original or like to actual Xenoblade 3 like everything would have been fine <laughs> right right um which I feel like is kind of like what had made those other two DLCs work so well is that they were kind of just their own things right I mean like Torna was definitely tied to right I mean because it's a prequel it's a prequel but like it doesn't feel like they're just like they're super ham-fisting it into the the main game. Right. Like this is. No, I agree with you. And, you know, some of the, like, more frustrating things to me about this are, like, there's no explanation as to where any of these other characters are. Like, where is Fiora? Where are Ryan? And where is, where is Charlotte? Like, where... There are a few times that Rex says, like, I wish they were here, meaning, like, Pyra and Mithra. And, like I said, they're in Matthew's gloves. But, like, there's no explanation as to how they got there, why they're there. You know, how Rex is dealing with all this. Like, I I, I needed more of, like, what the heck is actually happening here? 
Yeah, because it feels like if you're going to go, like, as fan servicey as this tries to do, like, why not just go all the way? Right, right. Like, it's not enough to be like, oh, look, they had a kid. It's cool, great. Okay, what the f*** happened to them? Like, is everybody dead except for these two? Um, like, are, are, are Zeke and Pandoria dead? I don't know. Because it doesn't tell me. Like, are they, are they part of the, like, origin system and they're, like, stored as data? Okay, cool, tell me that fine um something else though that i think is wild to think about is that matthew's gauntlets in this dlc are shown to have the the numa core right sure yeah and <laughs> matthew's gauntlets are basically like if I'm not mistaken they end up becoming part of like Noah's blade which is what he like the the swordy bit that he puts around Lucky 7 and at the end of Xenoblade 3 he throws it into the ocean. Did he just drown Pyra and Mithra? <laughs> Oops. Oops. Rex comes back and he's like, son? Bruh. Son? Oh, I guess I gotta go do some diving. I sure do love diving for treasure. <laughs> like, what? And I don't think I'm wrong on that. Like, it, it doesn't make sense for Gondor to have them because Gondor, Gal Gondor, who's in three, um, because I don't remember Gondor having them, but like his his sword has that glow to it that um, ends has the opposite glow, and it would make sense that you would have Numa and Logos against each other um, uh, on that. But he throws it in the ocean at the end. Rex is gonna beat you up, child. It's true. You know how weird that family reunion would be? Because, like, Noah threw the sword into the ocean. And because Pyra and Mithra are married to Rex, who is also married to Nia, who is Mio's mom, he basically, like, what, through his aunts-in-law into the ocean? I guess so, yeah. Um, and, like, his 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 father-in-law is going to have to, like, go digging him up or something? I don't know. Like, what a weird family reunion that's going to be. <laughs> it's a mess. It's so messy. Um... But I did. I did go back and like read this the founder statues, and it all it all seems to track pretty, pretty well. Um, and one of the things that I checked right before we, um, before we started, is that at one point Matthew is tasked with like finding people who can redo the like memorial stones for those who die. Um. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. They would have one, like, at Colony 9. 
And I wanted to see, like, are they the same design as what's in the city later? And they are. Um, so that's that's cool touch. Um, but yeah, like, 80% of this was real rad, and I loved it, and I was having a good time. And you could probably tell that I was having a good time by talking to me until, like, I got to the end. I was like, hum. Yeah. Although the suburbs part is still really funny. very wild it it's so strange to me because i see on the internet most people are like oh this made me like xenoblade chronicles 3 or like i like this better than the ending to xenoblade chronicles 3 and I'm like huh because i don't get that i'm the very much opposite of that I mean, it wouldn't be us if we had a uh, dissenting opinion than the internet. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Like, sometimes we, we do have those things around here, around these parts. Um, I don't know, I just, I, I like... It's strange to me because I feel like the Xenoblade games have been really good at having the payoff, like, like, it's worth it, and they build it up, and they do it right. And so it feels so weird to me that this one just didn't do that at all. I don't know if maybe they, like, leaned so hard into the fan service that they kind of forgot, like, oh, hey, we should actually have, like, a narrative that feels earned and is good. I don't know. Older Shulk is hot as f though. And he's still wearing his sweater from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. I don't know if you realized that when you saw his art, but it's the same sweater. It's a very comfy sweater. This man has been wearing the same sweater for like 30 years. I say that, it's probably like 20 years, but still, he's been wearing the same sweater forever. It's a, it's a very uh, durable sweater. It's a very durable sweater. Or like he just keeps making the same sweater over and over and over and over. <laughs> Also possible. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I really like this sweater. I'm just going to keep doing it. Or like, Fiora is making it for him. I don't know. I don't know, because they didn't tell me where Fiora is. Heck. Heck. Anyway, Matthew's great. He's a himbo. That he is. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you get the, the whole like wild gauntlet there of, of characters within and Noah and Matthew and their personalities and it's wild man but yeah the best part of it was Matthew just repeatedly dunking on in it's great anyway do you have any thoughts uh can't wait for Gotcha to return in Xenoblade 4. Mm. <laughs> you know, Although it probably won't be Xenoblade 4, it'll be Xeno blank. Here's our new game. Yeah, Xeno something. Xeno something. No, I never Zeno got Gotcha. Never got Cosmos into. Yeah, she doesn't exist. She's she's not floating in space. She she just doesn't exist. That was the light coming to the planet. It was you finally getting Cosmos. Oh my god, so I should boot up Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and try and... Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. That's pure degenerate energy there. I would have to fight 
a super boss again to get the, uh -uh, the things. Uh -uh. And like while I do have a system down in that game where I can beat that super boss in like under 30 seconds now. Um, is it something I want to do? No, it's not. I'd rather try and fight the super bosses in the DLC right now because I've never done that before. Yeah. But yeah, apparently Cosmos is coming back to a planet or something. I don't know. People, I think people are just like they 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 heard the Xenosaga references and like Xenosaga, and now they're just Xenosaga brain. Well, that's uh, that's Xenoblade Chronicles 3's last DLC. Future mm -hmm. reading. The potential end of Xenoblade Chronicles. Maybe, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see in like five years. It's like a... Wah, wah way to end the, the, the series for me. Especially because like I've loved this series so much. But here we are. Here we are. Well, let's end this on a more positive note. Okay, hit me. And by ending the podcast. Oh, that's not a positive note. <laughs> It'll be more positive. We'll end. We'll we'll have a narrative ending here that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You're right. This is a natural ending. <laughs> a natural ending. Look at us doing good writing. It's true. That's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, if you'd like more from us, head on over to SeasonalAnimeCheckup.com or SAC.Cools where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Jared Now Watch. You can also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to Anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at AnimeCheckup. You can buy our books, One Shining Moment, a critical analysis of Love Life, Sunshine, and Hot Tubs, and Pac-Man on Amazon.com. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. Buy us a slice of pizza, get access to unedited versions of the podcast early, and a whole wealth of bonus content as well. Next week, you know, next week, by this time, we'll be playing Zelda. I mean, not, not, not. When, this, when the next episode comes out. When the out. next episode comes out, yes, yes, yes. That's obviously what I'm implying there. Okay, sorry. I was like, wait a minute, it's not next Tuesday. Um, yes, we will be We will be very far in the rabbit hole of Zelda. That's cool. I love but, that. But uh, next week, I think it's, uh, it's time to talk about the rise and the fall oh, of Love Life School Idol Festival All-Stars. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It is time to talk about it. We know we talked about the end of School Idol Festival two months ago or something. Mm -hmm. Didn't think we were going to be doing this again so soon. Nope, did not think it was going to be so soon. But uh, I guess we'll talk about that next week. Yep. <laughs>